Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. Uh, my name is Jason Yon. This is my wife, Amy, and uh, our kids, Aubrey is in ninth grade, yes, and Jaden's in 11th grade, and uh, Jaden's going to read our scripture for today. All right, I'm reading out of 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. This is the word of God. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, first off, can we get up for Jaden for reading all of those names and doing an incredible job? It's good to see you guys. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles, First Peter chapter 1 is where we'll be at. Uh, one of the things that we want to continue to work to uh, is that our hope is uh, we understand this is a digital world, but also understanding that sometimes a paper copy of something just means a little bit extra. And so my encouragement to all of us is uh, we want to grow in reading our Bibles, which I need to grow in. Uh, I want to grow in understanding what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. And so uh, sometimes writing something down, even if it's a post-it note, helps me. Uh, most of my life is a scattered bunch of post-it notes. But uh, so having a journal, having something to write with and a Bible with you when you come on Sunday uh, is just a, such a good place to be because a lot of times we come in to any circumstance. We come in, we take that circumstance, we have it for what it is, and then we walk out the door. And so my hope is how do we continue to allow the Spirit to move in us and how do we not only look at uh, Sunday, but not just Sunday, but Sunday that allows us to unpack our entire week, what just happened, and set us right for what's coming this week. Does that make sense? So the hope is, uh, hey, bring your Bible with you. Uh, I always have mine. Uh, some of you know me for a long time. I had this little tiny one. Uh, my eyes got too bad for it. And unfortunate, that's a sad part of turning 41. So uh, I'm going to pray for us. And so if you trust me this morning, just for, can you do this while you're sitting there? Is this turn your hands open on your lap? And we want to hear from God, most importantly, not me. Uh, and we want to allow his spirit to move in us today. So I'm going to pray for this. So if you want to just, it's real simple. It's nothing big. Just turn them open on your lap and just say, I'm going to pray for us. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. And Father, we want to hear from the Spirit. And so, Father, help us to set aside uh, and to lay down uh, the last couple of days. Uh, all of our lives are full. Help us to set them down and let you speak. And so as we dive into your word, we're thankful that it speaks to all areas of our life. Uh, there's not a single part of us that are not uh, touched by your word. But Father, help us to hear it so we can apply and allow you to change our life. And so thank you for that in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in First Peter, and we're going to be in First Peter 
all the way till August. And so if you want to read through it, spend time in it, start a Bible study in it, anything is going to be beneficial because what we want to do is we want to take our time through scripture and let it, uh, let it change our hearts, let it move in us and let us be changed, not just here, because uh, it's easy to put on a show when you walk into a church building, uh, but allow it to change our entire lives and how we interact with people because I need Jesus. I need him to change the way I interact with people. I need him to change the way I think about people. I need him to even help me understand how to move forward in situations, all kinds of things. And so we're thankful that his word brings hope to our day to day. And so uh, one of the things that I always recognize in my life is there are a lot of moments in my life that are not centered on who Jesus is. And what I mean by that is a lot of times I'm doing it out of the best effort of Jeremiah. And it could be anything. And a lot of times with that, I hang my hope, I hang who I am on certain things. And however pathetic it might be, for me, a lot of times in my life, I hung my hope on my ability to play sports. I was not a good athlete. Let me just be clear, right? Uh, you can tell just by the size of me, I didn't do real well in sports, right? But it was so interesting, but how much I loved playing soccer and how much I had hope in it. Right, Even going to a really small college and being able to play there, there was so much time in the being able to be competitive and kind of disappear in the sport and kind of just be in that moment and be competitive and go after and try to win a battle or whatever it might be. It wasn't until the first fall after my senior year, so I graduated, praise the Lord, and I was like, man, I had this moment of going all of that effort, all of that time, all of that hope of who I was, and it's no longer there. And so maybe you've had an experience like that. We probably all have our hope in a variety of things, right? You go, ah, man, there's so much of me that's put into this. Many of us locally, it's our work ethic. We can, man, I can outwork somebody. I can just continue to build my, I can do this. I can put my hope into this. Or for many of us, it's the fact that we're right all the time. That's me. I might be right 90% of the time. Who knows? It's probably not that high. Nikki tells me otherwise. But like there's so many times where I put my ability to be right and I think, man, that makes, that's where I'm at. That's who Jeremiah is, is my ability to be right. And if everybody would just listen to me, if everybody would just follow suit in knowing that I'm right, my hope, right, then everything would be okay. Or for a lot of us, right, we, we put our hope in politics, right? We, we don't necessarily love any form of government one way or the other, or, or we think if I was there, I could fix that. Maybe that goes back being right. Or you have an ax that you, you simply, you filter your entire life through this one thing. I have an ax to grind. I have something to fix. And because of this issue, right, my hope is that if I get this ax firmly fixed, if I can just fix this problem, my hope would be okay. Or maybe it's something you're trying to build. There's something, man, I am like, we're at work. We're like, it's either building a relationship or building a job or building something. We have all kinds of things that we're trying to build and our hope easily gets tied to those things. And for me, what I'm good at is a lot of time what I put my hope into. I love being around people. I love being around people, spending time with people. Too often my identity or my hope can be anchored in that thing that I'm good at instead of, who Jesus is. And so our time in First Peter is going to be a whole lot of reminder of this is about Jesus, not about me. 
And it took me a long time, even after graduating Bible college and all the cool things, blah, 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 to me to recognize that scripture is not actually about me. It's not how I should be better. It should be about Jesus. And a lot of times we might read scripture through that lens of going, oh, this is for me. When it's really calling us to turn ourselves and look at Jesus. Does that make sense? All right, so I got three basic statements for you. This is how much I love for you. I put some things on the screen for the first time ever. This is a big moment for us. Okay, yeah, that's right. And can we get up for my man Braden in the back, click in the screen? Yeah, that's right. All right, so over the time we're going to study First Peter, I've got three statements that if you want to write them down or just take a picture or whatever you want to do, I don't care. But there's three basic statements that are going to be overarching for us as we study First Peter, okay? And I'm going to give them all three of them to you at the beginning, Okay. Number one, our current struggle, whatever struggle you're in, the entirety of life, any of those kind of things, our current struggle should show us his active promises. Now, most of you read that and go, uh, I don't feel a whole lot of active promises in my struggle. Okay, well, that's good. That's what we're going to talk about, right? Our current struggle should show his active promises. Okay. Instead, most of the time when I'm in a struggle, my current frustration or pain is what I focus on instead of the promises of who God is. Now, the promise isn't always, oh my word, this is going to turn out sunshine and roses, right? Okay. Number two, suffering and persecution are a promised part of our faith in Jesus. Yay. I can't wait. This is awesome. Here's the truth. Us believing in Jesus, if we claim Jesus as our Savior, we are naturally going to be opposite of the world. We're not mad at them, but they don't know Jesus yet, so they don't understand. So we're naturally going to be opposite, which means that we're going to be persecuted because we're not going the same way they are. Does that make sense? Okay. Number one, our current struggle should show his active promises. Number two, suffering and persecution are a promised part of our faith. And number three, my view of God shows up clearly in all the moments of life, okay? My view of God. Now, yay, again, right? My view of God shows up clearly. When I'm having these great days, when things are stringing, like humming along, life is going, right? When we understand that, a lot of times, where is our worship? Not so much him, at least in my life. And a lot of times when things are going bad and I've had a string of bad days and I'm really upset and I haven't slept and all this kind of stuff, what am I saying? What am I worshiping? We'll find out. So so we often search for purpose and passion in the circumstances of what is happening. Anybody else like that? In what's going on in your life, I'm looking for the purpose. I'm looking for the passion. What is wrong with it? Why can't I fix this? What's wrong? You know, and I constantly stare at the circumstance instead of understanding who God is. And so it's so easy to get focused on the very narrowest part of what is going on instead of our eyes up to who Christ is, okay? You see, if I can explain it, if I can justify it and prove, it can prove that what I'm doing is right. So I look for the circumstance, I try to fix it, I try to, like, you know, if I can just navigate this, if I can just fix this a little bit, if I can just get this better, then I can prove that what I'm doing right now is right. Does that make sense? Anybody else do that? Just me. Okay, good. All right. You see, 
this can easily turn me into a person focused on me. I am the most selfish individual known to mankind. Okay? That's not just saying that. That's just who I am. And so what can happen easily is when I'm trying to focus on the circumstance, uh, there's a pastor that calls it navel gazing. Does everybody know what navel gazing means? You just stare at your belly button like, oh my word, this is the most important thing. Nobody looks at their belly button like that. I hope not. But it can easily, right? If I'm looking for my purpose, I'm looking for everything, I'm trying to fix the circumstance, I'm trying to focus solely on that thing, then I can simply just point at everything down here and I just become me and I become completely centered around my life. And so I can easily let the circumstance dictate my view of God's promises. I can easily get frustrated at God because I have halfway read scripture or halfway applied it. So here's the truth of my life. A lot of times I settle for the verses that make me feel good, but I don't actually apply or understand the truth of them. And so we sort of read scripture, we sort of understand it, but then when something hard happens or when I'm doing really good in life, all of that goes out the door and I become focused back on me, right? And so I don't actually trust God to perform his promises or to be joy in a situation or to bring grace into a situation because I've made the situation about me. Does that make sense? Okay, so... I can easily get, uh, yeah, uh, every, ever have one of those moments when you realize God's view of abundant life and my view of abundant life are completely different. You know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden I get to the end of a circumstance that I've been through or I've gotten to the end of it and I go, man, I really had this view of abundant life and what I thought God should be doing and telling him the way it should be and laying it out for him, the steps that he should take. And I really understood the way that this view of abundant life is. And God's saying, "Uh uh-uh, this was abundant life. It's rest in me. It's submission to me. It's trust that I'm actually going to be who I'm saying I'm going to be. It's me dying to self and allowing him to live. Because my view usually leads up into the right. Has anybody ever noticed that? Like, God, if you follow my plan, I'm going to take us to the stars. Right? When I really just mean my comfort. So you see, when I have my view of abundant life versus his view of abundant life, and instead it's usually for my comfort and not actually following him, I have become God and he is not anymore. He's a genie. You see, we usually gain this understanding slash view after like a struggle has passed. Time has passed. We've gone through a circumstance. We've dealt with something. We've dealt with something hard. And if we sit for a second and process what just happened, we go, wow, God, I'm really sorry. I missed that. So Peter's writing to believers to stiffen them in what they had already believed. You see, most of the New Testament is actually written to believers. And what he's simply saying is like, this is what you believed in the beginning. This is what you accepted. This is what you trusted. And now you need to continue to believe that. Is that not true of me? So in the first two verses, we hear something very important. And so I'm going to read them to you again. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, right? And I'm going to let Jaden's version of all those words go through. 
in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. Verse two, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit and for obedience to Jesus Christ for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And so if you write in your Bible, I encourage you, is just underline the word exile, right? Elect exile, okay? And then those next phrases, it's foreknowledge, foreknowledge, uh, sanctification, and obedience. Over the next couple months, we're going to kind of walk through 1 Peter with the hope of the Spirit moving in us to show us new ways that we need to trust Him. I need to be reminded constantly of the ways I have trusted Him and the ways I need to continue to trust Him and then new things that I need to trust Him in, okay? And so Peter's writing to stiffen the believers, right? He knows us, the Spirit is moving in us, and Jesus is obedience, right, is the point. So I'm going to give you a couple thoughts here. And allowing him to show us old moments that we have so covered over with life that if we do not allow him to work constantly to keep him at arm's distance, our steps of faith will be stunted. Let me say that again. You see, too often we need Jesus to show him the stuff that we've buried over. We need the Holy Spirit to show us the things that we've just built mountains over top of in our life that we have not allowed him to deal with. And because we won't let him deal with them, we keep him at arm's distance, and then we never take steps of faith. That's the recipe of my life. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm like, it's so easy that I don't let him deal with the stuff of my life. I keep building over top of it, and then I continue because I won't let him trust this thing. I like keep him at a distance and then I build my world and then I don't ever take a step of faith. Okay? So here we go. Number one, he knows us. The fact that we are known by the creator, all of us, should just floor us for a second. If you just process that God Almighty, creator of all things, just if I continually just think about that, and he knows everything about us, that should just, it just bring all to us that we understand, man, this is different, right? And then he gave us grace to bring us into relationship with him. We're with the creator because of his son. He's not a God that's continually trying to smash us. Instead, he's trying to be a God that brings us to himself by his grace, which pulls us in, right? He knows all things. Let that sink in. He knows all things, the things I try to hide from him, the things I don't want to deal with. He knows all things. And he knew you're going to trust him with your life. When you verbalize, when you say, I call myself, I claim Christ. He knew that from the beginning of time. He loves you. He's with you. He knew and he knows you. So number one, he knows us. Number two, the spirit sanctifies us. That's a big word, just simply says purifies us. He does not leave us where we are. Instead, he takes the entirety, every part of my mess, every part of the things that I create brokenness in, 
he creates, takes all of those things, and not only does he say, I'll take that, he says, you're free from it. And I'll bring purpose to it. Now, how many times do I keep him from all of those things? I say, I trust God, but I don't let him take it. I don't let him set me free from it. And I definitely don't let him bring purpose to it. How different would we be as people if we say, God, this is yours, yours to trust, yours to deal with, and then yours to bring purpose to. The gospel is not, is not just pretty leaders standing and leading people to better versions of themselves. That's not what the gospel is. Instead, it's the exact opposite. Broken and contrite heart that says, I screwed all of this up, but I have hope because of who he is. The king has not abandoned me. My need for people, me personally, my need for people to like me, right? It can either cause me to sneak around and say yes to everyone and get a bunch of high fives and back slaps and all that kind of stuff, or I allow Jesus to show me how I need to repent and let him use my gifts. You see the difference? I'm a people pleaser. I want you all to like me. It's my love of life. I want you to love me, right? I want you to love me. But here's the thing. I can become manipulative and controlling if I constantly let that lead my life instead of letting Jesus lead me and let him use my gifts. Last one, obedience to Jesus. Okay. Because of this, my hope gets moved from what I'm placing it in to him. See the difference? Because he knew me, because he knew what I was going to do, because he sent the spirit to give us life, to change us, to bring us closer to him, it calls me to obedience to Jesus. And so then my hope gets moved from what I can do to what he is and who he is. My words can change or will change in how and who I speak about. Think about that just for a minute. One of the biggest ways I process is going, man, I'm screwing things up a whole lot, is going, man, Jesus, my words tell me a whole lot about the brokenness of my heart. And he starts to bring people to my mind where I'm going, man, I surely, I don't need to be best friends, but I definitely don't love them like Jesus does. My words change in how and who I speak about people. The people I can't stand start to be prayed for when I start being obedient to Jesus. Do you know how hard it is to pray for people you can't stand? Thank you for praying for me. (laughs) But that's my point, right? It's going, man, when I start to see my heart change because I am trusting him, I'm let the spirit move, then obedience changes my heart to start praying for someone instead of something else. And so love, I've been reminded of this lately and I continue want to process together. Love is sacrifice and it draws us into relationship. Love is sacrifice and it draws us into relationship. And all of this is because of the bloodshed on the cross. Next week, we're going to uh, remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us. But until we fully grasp that there was bloodshed to cover us, And what that blood spilt does 
we live with a short-sighted view. And so that's not guilt, right? Instead, that's going, man, I want to know what that means so that I can allow God to do that and change that in my life. All because of his blood. And so I'm going to leave, we're going to close, and this is how I'm going to try to do things, is going, you, you don't hear, need to hear from Jerry. you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to put some questions up here and I'm going to walk through them real quick because I want you to hear them. And especially because they came from this brain, which, you know, who knows what that means. And so, but I want you to hear them and just process them. And so you can process them throughout the week as God's moving, whatever it might be. Okay. And so here we go. What are the areas of your life that you know you don't trust him? What a question. And, and so for me, I'll give you answers. For me, I do not trust him in my parenting. I do not trust him that he's going to save people and, and come for people. And let me be specific. There are family members of mine that I'm going, man, Jesus, I, I don't think you can do anything here. Right? What are the areas of your life that you know you don't trust him? What will it take for you to submit those areas to him? (sighs) Because when I process the first question, that means I have a whole lot of control over the second question. Right? What will it take for you to submit those areas to him? Okay? Number three. Why don't I or you claim the death and resurrection of Jesus Over and over and over again. I forgot some overs. I apologize. Why don't I claim that? You see, if I believe the death and resurrection, that means there's whole new life brought to it. He was raised from the dead. Hear that. What situation is far off from that if he is raised from the dead? He defeated sin and death. He is raised from the dead. Why don't I live like that? Am I comfortable? With too much? All right, last one. How can you tie yourself to him further? And so this is how I pictured, this is what kept running through my mind this week as I was prepping, okay? So a lot of times in in church world, we had the cross, okay? And I kept having this mental picture of a rope between me and the cross. And I kept letting out rope with all of my circumstances, so I could be further and further away. And the rope would get thinner and thinner, not because of the difference of the cross, but because I continued to add rope to the circumstance. And what I realized is, in order for me to grow, in order for me to allow Jesus to move, I need to tie myself to the empty cross as much as possible. Okay, this is just a word picture. I'm just telling you what I was like working through this week. And so what that looks like is, man, I want a shorter cord. I want a thicker cord. And what that cord would be is me allowing Jesus to change my life. And I want to tie that as tight as possible because the more cord I give, the more I go, man, this isn't about me anymore. This is, or I'm sorry, it's not about him anymore. It's about my circumstances. So I'm sort of tied to him way over there. But man, I've given a lot of slack when I need to go right from the ankles all the way up, I need to tie myself to who he is. 
And so this is what I'm hoping is going, okay, God, this is yours. God, this is what we need. And so as we're going to get into 1 Peter, there's all kinds of things, but this is the whole thing is going. Peter's calling them saying, this is your life. This is what you claim. And now we have to live it. And we have hope because of it. So I'm going to pray towards that hope and we're going to finish uh, here this morning and going, God, this is yours. And one of the things we always recognize is going, man, we don't ever have to rush out. You don't ever have to go anywhere. You just go, okay, God, what does this mean? And so we're going to pray. You can hang out. I'd love to pray with you. If there's a certain circumstance that you're going, I know I need that. I know I need to just like, I need for the first time to put this circumstance at his feet. Maybe today's the day. So let me pray. I'm going to dismiss and, and you guys can hang out. If you want a prayer, I'll be up here. I'd love to pray with you. I'm sure any of us would love to pray and just bind ourselves together and go, and God, we trust you. Let me pray. God, you are, you are the one who knew us. Father, you know all things. Father, you knew when we'd run from you. And so, Father, uh, you are the one who is at work. You are the one who is the one, the answer. Father, your spirit is at work. And so, Father, we just want to submit to you. And so, Father, it's really hard for me to submit. The gifts you've given me, I use to build up myself instead of your kingdom. I try to build a structure around me that keeps me comfortable instead of trusting you to be able to step forward. And so, Father, we love you. Father, we need your help. We need your spirit to move us. You, we need to be reminded of your grace and mercy, which is so life-giving. Father, that you have love that changes us. And Father, that out of those things, we can live life. So, Father, as we go from this place today, help us to see moments in our week where we go, that's where the spirit needs me to be. And Father, give us the strength because of that same love and grace and mercy to go, God, I am so scared, but I'm going to take a step. So Father, this is about you. This is about you and us following you. So Father, help us today. We love you. We're so thankful for you. Give us strength to take a step of faith this week. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.